Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. I, I was sensing such an anticipation, such an excitement. And uh, just a dream with Papa God in this season. I thought before I start to share the Word of God, uh, I want to kind of take us back uh, because about uh, about six weeks ago, uh, many of you prayed for me. The church was praying for me. Uh, the whole Bethel Atlanta family with other families around the world, uh, you were sharing me along as we went into the Middle East, went into Pakistan uh, for an assignment. And uh, it was an incredible time. Uh, COVID-19 shut down the country of Pakistan, and also some radical terrorism created an environment that was very, very difficult, but we saw the breakthrough of the Lord. The biggest assignment was to help and minister to the persecuted church, and we have about 700 pastors and their wife that were so beaten down. They were so overwhelmed that part of our assignment was to release a fresh baptism of love and then eventually also give them a fresh encounter with God. And that's exactly what happened. I still remember it was like a wave of healing that swept that room and 146 people just got healed in a matter of about five minutes. Tumor disappeared. Rotator cuff was totally healed and all these creative miracles was happening. But I think one of the beauty was to watch in two days to see 700 people people that had been so beaten down, so oppressed, to see the presence of Jesus showing up in that environment. And when they left that place, you could see their faces was glowing again. They had a whole new passion, whole new purpose, and they were carrying his presence into some of the darkest places in the world. And the last person I got to see, we ministered in mosques, ministered on television, and had so many different opportunities to be able to bring glory to Jesus. But the last person I saw was a lady, a Muslim. Muslim woman with full burqa, and her husband is a very well-known imam. And I still remember it was one o'clock at night in the morning before we head for the airport. She had had bipolar disease for the last eight and a half years. And then the presence of Jesus showed up in the hotel room. She had an encounter with love. And in Arabic, it went back and forth with her husband, who is a phenomenal Islamic scholar. And she was wondering, what happened? What happened? And what actually happened is Jesus showed up. And when Jesus shows up, good things happen. She was healed. She was delivered. She got actually joy. (laughs) And she started to laugh uncontrollably. So that was the last miracle I saw when I left Pakistan. And then I landed in New York and I got the news uh, as soon as I arrived in New York City that Papa Jack was in the hospital. You need to come down. And it is the battle you fight after the battle you won. And we landed, we landed in Orlando, and then I drove to the hospital. And as we were there in the hospital with Papa Jack, I was just fighting. And many of you know that this is Father's Day and happy Father's Day to all of you. And I miss Papa Jack. And this was one of my moments that after 21 years of daily talking to Papa Jack, I was sure that he was going to get healed again. But that Friday afternoon, I realized I had to say goodbye. I had to say goodbye to my spiritual father. But one of the things is the last word that somebody speaks is very, very important. It is very, very vital. And Papa Jack, according to the doctor, says that he is not coherent. You cannot expect him to communicate. But one moment he said, son, son, I, 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 I've been praying for you. And it was at three o'clock 
on April 24th in the afternoon. And then afterwards I said, Papa Jack, Papa Jack, what is your favorite message? And he said, son, Moses and the rod, lay it down. And at that moment, I was wrecked. I was able to say goodbye to Papa Jack. But I realized that when somebody, when great men die, when great men die, great wealth is being transferred. And I think that many of us, we are aware in this season that people like Billy Graham, people like Rainer Bunker, Luz Palau, Oral Roberts, Jack Taylor, many of these great men have died. And this incredible inheritance has been left behind. And it's been left in trust for us to be trusted to steward that. Just three of those names probably added about 500 million names to the Lamb's Book of Life. But I'm often interested, what are the last words that were spoken by them? And that's when I'm realizing that Papa Jack, he had a word. He had a word for you. He had a word for me. He had a word for the church. And I felt this morning that uh, normally I would have given a Father's Day message, a typical Father's Day message. And I still believe it is a word for all of us who are fathers out there. And I celebrate you because I do believe there's three questions in this season we need to be able to answer. Number one, what time is it? And I'm not saying what time on your watch as you're looking, but what is the Kairos moment we are living in? Second question is, what is God doing in our generation? What is God doing in our generation? And the third question for each one of you who are watching, where do you fit into it? What is your place and what God is doing? And if not, we will ask God to bless what we are doing instead of getting in on what God is blessing. And I want you to follow me and we're going to take about the next some 20 minutes and I'm going to give a framework of what I believe was Papa Jack's word for us. And I'm going to take his message. It was one of his life messages and we just had a kingdom family memorial in behalf of Papa Jack. But I do believe that there's something that God wants to do. There's a calling for people around, not just from Atlanta, but I felt from around the country, but just here at Bethel, Atlanta, that there is about 300 radical worshipers that God has raised up in this house. But we're seeing there's an expansion of that. And there's going to be about a thousand people that is going to be set on fire. They are burning brightly without burning out. So I'm just even calling upon people that are out there and recognizing that, uh, that you're no longer what you used to be, but you have not yet become what you're supposed to become. Today, there is also a calling for the 1,000 people that is actually going to come and join this family that is going to make an impact in the city of Atlanta, that is going to create a tsunami wave of love to the world, that is going to be revivalist. There's going to be revival, there's going to be transformation, and there's going to be reformation. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up your Bibles, and we're going to start in the book of Numbers, and we're just going to read some verses together. And then I'm going to also put a couple of other scripture verses from Exodus. So if you have your Bible, first Joshua, excuse me, Joshua chapter 21, starting in verse 45. It says, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sown to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they dwelled in it. The Lord gave them rest. I want you to say that out loud. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sown to the fathers. And not one of the man of the enemies, not one of the man of the enemies stood against them. Wow. 
And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. Not a word, not a word fail of any good things which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Say, all came to pass. Wow, this is phenomenal. And now even if you're taking your Bible into Exodus 4, verse 1 through 5, we're going to read that in a couple of minutes. But let me describe these verses. It makes me kind of a jealous in a covenant lesser than what we have. If you can imagine me coming in with the airplane into Atlanta and suddenly all chronic pain is gone. What if we came into a city of Atlanta where there is no divorce when suddenly the addiction is gone? There is rest on all sides. Not one of the enemy, none of the opposition, the kingdom of darkness could not operate within this whole region. This was the reality for God's people. And how did that actually happen? How did they enter into their promised land? And my question to you, they said also that all came to pass. Every word that God had spoken came to pass. What would that look like for you? What would that look for all of you fathers for this Father's Day? What would that look like for your family? What would that look for Bethel, Atlanta, for the city of Atlanta? God is actually inviting us to stepping into our promised land in this season. And this is part of our calling, even as a church, is calling upon. We do believe that we're going to have an impact in this city and the nation, and we do have that impact. But the Bible says that, uh, that there was a season where actually 31 kingdom. There was seven nations. All of it had been occupied by God's people. And then finally, everything that he had sought, all the words God has spoken over them actually came to pass. For a seven-year period of time, there was actually transformation. Earth looked like heaven. Heaven did invade earth. And you can read about it. But what was the journey that led up to that. So let me give you a little bit of the background. I believe with all of my heart, the next move of God's Spirit in America, the next revival in America is a family revival. And one of the reasons the enemy is attacking marriages, he is, is attacking family, is because God is about to restore family. He's, a, he's about to see a reconciliation in a way we've never seen before. A unity in a way we've never seen before. Just watch and see what is taking place. Why is it that the enemy is so nervous that we are coming together? That Jesus only answer prayer? That we are going to be one just as him and the Father is one? Jesus prayer, that the very love that the Father had towards him, that that love is going to be in us, and that the city of Atlanta, the world is going to see who we are, because we've learned how to love this way. Let me take you back again in time. And uh, there was a time when Israel, about, they were supposed to be head, and they were not supposed to be tail. For 400 years, they have lived in slavery. They have been influenced by the wool, and they were called to be the influencers of this wool. Actually, God wanted Israel to be the family on earth that represented the family of heaven. There was going to be in a covenant relationship, but because of their own sin and their own disobedience, they ended up underneath slavery. And they became slaves, and they've been in Egypt, and for 400 years, they have been in slavery. And then the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And I want you to know that it takes three generations to shift cities and shift nation. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob had heard their cry. And he said, let my people go. 
And God had had enough. He wanted actually now the journey was going to take these Jews that had been in slavery, take them out of Egypt and eventually take them into their promised land. And I'm just feeling this is what Papa Jack felt even as we're celebrating this Father's Day. There was something in his heart that he was describing. And I'm giving just a little bit of the background. And we know the story that when God wants to do something, he chooses ordinary people like you. Ordinary people like your family. He chooses fathers. He's choosing ordinary people that will join him in it. God could do it himself. He is sovereign. But he have chosen to do it through family, through sons and daughters of glory that will represent him, that will know him and know his ways, that will actually moving into maturity and a friendship with God so that when that happens, people will see who God is by looking at his son's and daughters. So here is the story. Take you back again. When the enemy was picking up what God was doing, he's trying to kill all the babies. He's trying to kill all the baby boys. And I'm here even to say when it comes to the abortion debate that is going on, I believe one of the reasons the enemy is trying to kill a whole generation is because that there's a lot of deliverances. There's a lot of Moseses that God wants to raise up and the enemy is nervous about it. And that's what happened. Satan himself went to Pharaoh and says, kill all the baby boys because there's going to come a deliverance. There's going to actually be transformation. God is about to do something and the enemy is picking up on it. And Mama Miriam, she has this little baby boy and she put the little baby boy, his name was Moses, put him in the Nile and he was floating down the Nile. And the princess, she is bathing and she says, ah, baby boy. She picks up the baby boy, brings him into the palace. Let me just make a comment. Sometimes I almost, I said almost, feel sorry for the devil. I mean, sometimes I feel so because it seems like every time the enemy is attacking, it leads to an upgrade for me. Every time when the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly. So here we are seeing the enemy is trying to kill destiny. And if you are looking at the area where the enemy has attacked you, it's often connected to your greatest destiny. There's destiny over your life. There was destiny over Moses' life. The enemy was trying to kill him. And instead, he ended up in Pharaoh's home. So here he is, the very one that God is going to use as a deliverer. He is raised up by Pharaoh's daughter himself. He knows everything there is about Egypt. Actually, Pharaoh, Pharaoh has to pay for the diaper bills. Pharaoh has to pay for the education. Pharaoh himself who's trying to kill him is actually now raising up Moses in his home. And for the next 40 years, Moses, he becomes qualified. I mean, he knows everything there is to know about this world problem. He knows Egypt. He knows the culture of Egypt. He knows the language of Egypt. He knows the psychology of Egypt. He knows Egypt. And then after about 40 years, he is getting qualified and he's about to be ordained to start his assignment. I want you to say the word qualify. Yes, after 40 years, he is qualified. And at that moment, one of the first days he walks out and he recognized that an Egyptian is mistreating some of his family, some of his brothers, some other Israeli. And Moses actually kills the Egyptian. And something starts to happen in the environment. And the next day, two brothers are fighting. Two Israelis are fighting. And they are saying, are you going to do to us what you did to the Egyptian? 
And Moses gets fear and he runs into the wilderness because he is afraid now that Pharaoh is going to come to kill him. And now I'm about to pick up my rod and we're about to start the journey towards our destiny. So here we are, Moses, and I have this rod with me. This rod was actually given by Papa Jack. It was a rod that I travel with me all over the world. And the message today is, what is it that you have in your hand? So Moses spent about 40 years in the wilderness. And I do believe that there's a lot of people that has been in the wilderness in this season. For some of us, the last 18 months has been more like a wilderness. But in the middle of it, God is up to something. God is doing something. And I want you to get in on what God is doing, in on what God is blessing. Be part of this incredible 21st century slugfest that the Holy Spirit is doing around the world. So then we're coming into both Exodus chapter 2. We know he has a burning bush experience. And, and Moses eventually in Exodus 3. Where God comes to Moses and says, Moses, the time has come. I want you to take 800,000 men plus women and children. There would be about 3 million Jews in slavery with slave mentality, orphan spirit. I want you to take them out of Egypt through the wilderness and into their promised land. Wow. <laughs> At 3 million, it is like herding cats. Three million Jews. If you feel it is difficult to pastor a small church, imagine three million Jews, 400 years in slavery. They have not had a renewed mind experience yet. And, and Moses himself, I mean, he, he's struggling. And so here we're about to start the school of radiology. And you say, radiology? Yes, the logic of the rod. I had the honor of doing an event in Canada. And the leader of the conference, he was saying that, he said, uh, Mr. Leif, I want you to know there's a very famous doctor here. And I'm going to introduce you to him. So I sat there with this famous doctor in Canada, and the doctor introduced himself. And I said, I'm Dr. Leif. And he says, what kind of a doctor are you? I said, doctor in radiology. The logic of the rod. And I'm going to take you into school of radiology. The last words that Papa Jack spoke. And there's going to be some key words in this season. But more important than that, there's going to be an impartation. There's going to be a revelation. And there's going to be a transformation that is going to take place today in your life, over your family, over your finances, over your health. This is words that Papa Jack, right before he went to heaven, wanted each one of us to carry on this Father's Day. And it was going to be life verses that is going to help each one of us to navigate this next season so we can step into the promised land that God has for each one of us, where there is rest on all sides, where every word that God spoke came to pass. The Bible says it all came to pass. And we're on a journey towards that. That is not when you get to heaven. That is when heaven gets to you. So here we are. When God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to take the Jews, take them out of Egypt into the promised land. And Moses, he comes up with five excuses. I don't know if you have any excuses. Moses is like, but, 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 but God, Moses was stuttering by this time. The other thing with Moses here, he's focusing on who he is not. 
He's focusing on his weaknesses instead of God's strength. And Moses gives five excuses to God and eventually God have had enough. Moses says, what what do I tell Pharaoh? And, And what do I tell the people? And God says, just tell them that I am have sent you. I am that I am have sent you. (laughs) If I were Moses, I would say, God, that's not good grammar. I am have sent me. But if you can get the revelation in this season of that, it will change everything. This is a wedding statement. I am, that's covenant. I am, I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your wisdom. I am your authority. I am your peace. I am your joy. Everything you need, Moses, I am. And I am that I am. So you no longer have an excuse not to do everything that God has called you to do because I am that I am have sent you. And this is a word for many of you today. I am that I am is your papa. He is your father. If you're making a list of your needs, God will say, I am. The opposite of that. I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your provider. I am your abundance. I am. And your response back is, you are. And the world will say, he is. Let's take a few moments. Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. Exodus 4, verse 1 through 5. And then we're going to practice this in a few moments. I need my reading glasses here. Exodus 4, verse 1 through 5. Then Moses answered and said, but but, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, "Uh, it, it is a rod. And he said, cast it to the ground. So when he cast it to the ground, the Bible said it became a serpent. And Moses, he fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and pick it up in the tail. And he reached out and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand. So so they may believe, so that Atlanta may believe, so the school system may believe, so Washington DC may believe that the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Wow, we're going to stop there for a few moments. In Exodus chapter 17, Exodus 4 verse 17, it talks about that with this rod, you're going to do signs and wonders. The same also in verse 20. So here is my question to each one of us. What do you have in your hand? When God comes to Moses and says, Moses, who are you? And that's the question for each one of us. Who are you? Who are you? You said, well, my name is Leif Hetland. I have a ministry called Global Mission Awareness. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Who are you? And where are you? Intimacy. These questions, and that's the question for Moses. And Moses' identity was as, I'm a shepherd. I mean, what do you do, Moses? Uh, I take care of sheep. What do you have in your hand? Uh, I got a shepherd's rod. This rod is my identity. This rod is my protection. This rod is my retirement. This rod is everything that I have. It's been with me for, for, for 40 years. I mean, it's been very, very good to me. This is who I am. And God says, I want you to lay it down. And let me just say that to each one of us in this season. Listen, we're living in a season where God wants us, even with the very thing that he has given to us, is for us to lay it 
down. It is a season for us to become free from something. And until you are free from it, you cannot really be entrusted with it. Is it your ministry or his ministry? Is it your business or his business? So God says, what do you have in your hand? I got a rod. What kind of a rod is it? Lay it down. And we know the Bible says when he laid it down, it became a serpent. And here's the second principle. You do not know if there's any serpentine nature, poisonous nature in what God has given you until you lay it down. You don't even know if that's his, the serpent sound, his, until it becomes his. And all the hiss of the serpent needs to go out, so all of his comes in. All the hiss of the serpent goes out, so that all of his go in. All fear moves out, and perfect love comes in. All weakness goes out, and his strength comes in. All of sadness goes out, and all of his joy comes in. It is a divine exchange. And then God says, I want you to pick it up. But now it is no longer your rod. It becomes his rod. It becomes God's rod. It becomes God's ability, God's power, God's authority, God's presence, God's peace, God's wisdom. Whatever God has, you have. And as long as we're holding up the rod of God in this season. Light is penetrating darkness. Love is penetrating fear. Let me make a statement. We do not have a darkness problem in America. We don't have a darkness problem in Atlanta. We have a light. We have a lack of light. And light is greater than darkness. Love is greater than fear. And I'm just believing that for us as Bethel Atlanta family, we're in a season, not just us. This is the word of Papa Jack so dearly wanted each one of us to capture. He said, son, lay it down. And I have to lay down again everything he has given me. Life, is it your ministry? Or my ministry? Is it your finances or my finances? Is it your future or is it my future? And at that moment when I lay it down, there's this beautiful divine exchange that is taking place. Wow, there is an upgrade. There is a trade. There is a freedom. There is a limitation of what you can do for God. And God doesn't want you to do things for him, but from him. Not just to be an achiever, but to be Moses. And then it comes in, what do you have in your hand? Well, I got a rod. What kind of a rod do you have? And at that moment, something changes. I got your rod. I got your ability. I got your presence. I got your peace. I got your joy. I got your strength. I got you. Moses, <laughs> what is your problem? God, <laughs> I don't have a problem. You have a problem. You know those three million people of yours? What are you going to do about it? This is such a key in this season. Wow. I don't know if you've had prayer meetings just like Moses, being overwhelmed and whatever overwhelms you, shapes you. And I wish it was over, but it didn't stop at that moment. Later on, the news comes in. In the front of him, Red Sea. Behind him, army. He is caught between the rock and the hard place. At least five times in the last 18 months, I've experienced it didn't matter where I go. It is mission impossible. I cannot move forward. I cannot be behind. I'm stuck. And in the middle of a Moses, like, God, this time we have a problem. We just got the news. Pharaoh is coming and he is ticked. He seems to be in a mood swing. He's coming to kill us. And in the front of us is the Red Sea. We are going to die here. And we don't have the time to talk about the rod. 
and you can hear the whisper of God. Moses, what's the problem? God, I told you we don't have the time. What's the problem? And what do you have in your hand? Let me ask each one of you, what do you have in your hand? I got a rod. Okay, what kind of a rod is it? Is it your rod or is it his rod? And if it is not his rod, does it have a little hiss? And he wants you to lay down your pressure so you can pick up his pleasure. Lay down your sadness so you can pick up his joy. Lay down your ability to pick up his ability, his power, his presence. So when Moses realizing that I got the rod of God in this season, I got his presence, I got his promises, I got his provision, I got his passion, I got him. And when you got him, you got everything. And at that moment, we know the story. He opens up and the Red Sea opens up. They walk through to the other side. Three million Jews walk through the other side, swallow, and eventually we know the story. The whole army of Egypt gets swallowed up by the water. And I do believe that we're in season, even right now, that we're going to experience in the supernatural and a natural way when we realize what God has given us. But that is not going to happen until we're becoming free from our stuff and we're laying that down. One more picture and then I'm about to activate us. This time, even doing God's work, God's way with God's power. I was honest with you as Bethel family. I just came home from Pakistan. I was tired. I had been for about two months on the battlefield. And even while we were in Pakistan, there was one hit after the other. Right outside a hotel one morning, 45 people were killed. It was tired and we were fighting battle after battle after battle, doing God's work. God's way with God's power. And I want you to know that one of the biggest weapons of the enemy in this season is trying to wear you out. And in the middle of it, rest is going to be your weapon of warfare. So here we are, as I say, when I land in New York, I am tired. And then it is that battle you fight after the battle you won. 72 hours at the hospital with Papa Jack and he dies and I go through another hit and it's been hit after hit after hit and my arms are tired. And that's when people like you, Bethel Atlanta family are coming in and say, hey, Leif, let me help you to hold up the rod of God. And other people are coming along. And this is what we need. It is no longer enough for Leif Hetland to have a rod. And there's people in the home right now. You are tired. Battle fatigue. Some of you need a breakthrough. And you need somebody else in the family to come along and say, let's hold up the rod of God over your family, over your finances, over your health. And we as a family are going to come together. And we're going to hold up the rod of God. That's what I'm doing over the staff here with Pastor Lauren and, and the staff, Dan and all of them. They came also last week in to Columbia, South Carolina. They were helping us to hold up the rod of God in a season when our arms are tired. We're going to need one another in this season. And if the enemy attacks one of us, he attacks all of us. So that Third picture that I saw very clearly here now is we are coming together as a family. Even as you are home, you're not alone. You're not the only one that are struggling with a condition. And if the enemy is attacking you, he's attacking all of us. We are a family. And I do believe with all of my heart that we're about to see, and this is the picture that I saw, the last picture, where you and your life is becoming a rod. And he's an invitation. And I believe this is connected to the thousand that is going to happen in this season. There's going to be a thousand people in Atlanta and from around the world that are coming together in this region and this area that suddenly are saying that 
here I am. God, if you can use my life, but I'm laying down my life. I have this one life to live and so much love to give, but I'm just consecrating myself again. And we do not even know if there's any hiss of the serpent in our life until we lay it down. And I do believe that there's going to be a thousand laid down lovers, a thousand that will stop for the one, a thousand that will be full of love, power, and wisdom. All we are doing is saying, I, I, I know that there's certain weakness. I know there's certain frailty. There's certain things in me, but I'm just want to be like a rod in your hand, God, and use me in whatever way you want to. Wherever you are at, if you are in home or family together, husbands and wife and children, here's the question. What do you have in your hand? Let's just take a few moments. What do you have in your hand? Sickness, disease, fear for the future, finances. What are you struggling with? Tired? Let's lay it down. Just lay it down. Lay down everything. That's a sacrifice. And let all the hiss of the serpent go out so all of his can flow in. His presence, his peace, his purpose, and his power. I want you to do it right now. Close your eyes for a second. Holy, holy, holy spirit. There it is. <laughs> what do you have in your hand. What are some of your burden, some of your pressure? I'm counting to three right now. And when I count to three, I just want you to lay it down. Even if you don't have a rod, you just symbolically lay down. One, two, three. Just lay down and let all that move out. It is no longer your business. It becomes his business. It's no longer your future, it's his future. And he's holding that future in his hand. And the last picture here, would you be one? And this is a holy, holy thing. Maybe you are not saved and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. But I'm also here with an invitation where he's inviting you and I just to take the one life that we have and saying, here I am. And this is a calling that I believe for a thousand of us that we're going to be laid on lovers. Would you take and trust God with your life? I am not talking about just to have him as your savior, but as a Lord. And I'm just laying down my life and letting all the from this world system, any offense, lack of forgiveness, whatever needed to get out of me and all of his to fill me so that I will burn brightly without burning out. Full of his love, full of his power, full of his wisdom. If that is you, I want you to stand up, step in, and I want you to imagine a little circle. This is the offering plate. And you're placing yourself as an offering in that offering place. Putting your life into that. And I'm just laying my life down. My family. My ministry. I'm just laying myself down. As a lay down lover. And allowing you to fill me, fill me with your presence right now. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Whew. Holy. Holy, holy. I know in this stillness and in this quietness, it's no longer your problem. It is his problem. The future belongs to him. You belong to him. 
And he's going to take a thousand ordinary people like you and I in his hand and he's going to hold us up and watch what he's going to do to ordinary people that have an extraordinary loving father. I bless you. I bless your family. I bless your future. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.